welcome, welcome to the second episode of Cabana Chats, a podcast about writing and community brought to you by The Resort, an international community of writers based in Queens, New York City. I'm your host, Catherine Lasoda. I'm so excited in this episode to be in conversation with the writer Hala Alyan. I think my idea of community has expanded since COVID, meaning that I really thought of community as something that had to take place in a room with a bunch of people and like a bunch of bodies in that room. Hala Alyan is the author of the novel Salt Houses and the novel The Arsonist City as well as four award-winning collections of poetry, most recently the 29th year. She lives in Brooklyn and she works as a clinical psychologist. Hala and I spoke a couple of months ago about routines, about writing groups, and about how Hala's approach to social media has changed over the last year. I really enjoyed this conversation and I hope that you do too. Hello, everyone. I am so excited to be here today with Hala Alyan on our podcast about writing and community. And it's it's a new podcast and we're we're figuring out the things we're talking about so we're going to feel our way through this conversation but i always like to um ask folks maybe to say hello and where you are and maybe tell us a little bit about who you are and the contours of your life outside of the books that you've published, just so we can get a sense of you and, um, and where you are in the world. Cause I think that really informs our ideas of community too. Welcome Hala. Hi, first of all, hi. And thank you for having me. Um, I love that. I think that's very, yeah, I think that's really accurate is that where we are and where we're coming in from has a lot to do with how, what we think of community and the individual. Um, I'm in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. And I've been here for a few years. I've been in New York for a total of, I guess it's like 12 years at this point. Um, And before that, I moved back and forth between the States and the Middle East a fair amount. I did my undergrad in Beirut at the American University. Um, What does my life look like? I have have a very like gig economy career where I'm a licensed clinical psychologist um, and I do... I work part-time at the counseling center at NYU with the Islamic center. So working primarily with the students that identify as Muslim. Um, And then I teach at NYU um, undergrad creative writing classes and graduate psych classes. And I have a small private practice that's like a day and a half out of the week. Um, And then I do like random writing stuff and like, we'll like run a workshop sometimes or we'll, you know, whatever. Um, so the day, the days are very, I have very slippery looking days, but they solidify, or I guess I should say my days are solidified around semesters because every semester I know what my teaching assignment is going to be. And then that helps kind of take the, like tell me, inform what the shape of my week is going to be. Um, 
but they're every day I'm doing a little bit of a different thing. So like Mondays I teach and I have a couple of sessions and then Tuesdays, it's mostly just therapy. And then, you know, Fridays, it's mostly this. And so it's like every day kind of takes on a different form, which I, I really love. And I think, I think I am somebody that needs a fair amount of structure so sometimes it can be challenging to have like the kind of life that sort of changes with every few months. Oh yeah, totally. But you know what? It's funny you say that because it sounds like your life has a great deal of structure. And I mean, it changes, but you say I do this on this day. Is that not right? So structure, I guess, like routine. I like routine and, and I don't, and I have a, I, I have a routine in that my Mondays tend to look the same. My Wednesdays tend to look the same, but that, but that day to day, there's, there's a fair amount of like code switching in the brain. That's like, okay, this is Tuesday. So now we got to get our Tuesday hat on. Like, this is what, you know, this is, this is the part of my brain that's going to be activated today. Um, and then I, I think I do struggle with the ending of the semesters because it usually means it's like, it's like a wave coming and washing everything you just did in terms of routine and being like, now we have to start all over again. Um, and yet there's something I love about it. Cause I'm, this is the choice I'm making. <laughs> I could have a nine to five, but I just don't think that would work for me. Have you had one before? I haven't actually. Well, I mean, I, I have, I had a nine to five during my internship year, which is like, like the equivalent, like kind of like residency, um, during my doctoral degree and then during my postdoc year where like I had like a, a standard nine to five, nine to six every day. And I actually think it helped with some of like the free floating anxiety and freneticness that that like comes up in my system because it was like every day was the same and I kind of knew what to expect each day. But I also think I was like claustrophobic. Hmm. So basically I'm impossible to please. <laughs> who's easy to please really I mean to that let's I don't know I haven't met them (laughs) those would be nice people to have in our lives in our communities perhaps Um, but let's talk a little bit about community and writing because it sounds like you have um, you have you have people you interact with in your psychology practice you have people you interact with in this school setting Um, you have other writers you interact with is your writing community how how do you see community? How do you see writing community as opposed to perhaps community in general? Do your communities intersect? Um, yeah, let's let's hear about what you think of the idea of community in terms of your writing practice and what that means. So first, I would start by saying that I think my idea of community has expanded since COVID, meaning that I really... I really thought of community as something that had to take place in a room with a bunch of people and like a bunch of bodies in that room. Um, and COVID has actually shifted that for me in a way that I think is probably going to be for the best long term in that it's kind of it's challenged me to think of community through virtual spaces, honestly, to think of community through um, even like social media, which is not something that I think a year and a half ago, I would have been like social media is sort of like a thing I try to do the bare like very little. I think it's addictive. I think it's not great for brains, blah, blah, blah. Um, But I've had like a few experiences this past year where I've posted or shared either essays that were about things that were intense or like just posts being like, this is something that's happening in my life and it's hard and have had like a really humbling amount of responses and folks sharing their stories in return. And that feels like that feels like both community. And because many of the people that I follow and that follow me are writers, it feels also like an ad hoc writing community that sort Mm -hmm. of like sprawls across the world. Um, 
I think so more concretely, I have like a writing group that I'm part of that meets probably every, I mean, at this point, every few months, usually when someone like has a draft or something to show folks. Um, and it consists of some amazing writers, um, all of whom actually went to Columbia together. And then I met one of, I met Madeline Stevens randomly and she kind of like got me in, um, (laughs) and they're all, they're all really lovely and, 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 you know, brilliant writers. And, um, and I think that's also been a space where, it's both a place to share writing and, you know, give our critiques and give our feedback and also just be like, we, we've had like impromptu meetings because someone um, is like, I have a book coming out. I'm freaking out. Or someone's like, you know, feeling like they have writer's block or so it's like also been a space where people are, are, are there for each other for writing and non, non writing related, like life stuff that comes up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I feel like I have a, a community through poetry, which is di- which is different. So so I do think there's overlap, but I think that there are sort of because it's like I work in different genres. Like I do think the poetry community, um, there is kind of like an open mic, kind of more like perfor- like spoken word community that I was um, just starting to really go to regularly when COVID. Which is such a shame. I mean, I guess I got uh. like six months of it, but like I was really starting to be like, oh, this is lovely. I want this to be a mainstay of my life, and then COVID happened. Um, but yeah, I think, I think across the years, it's sort of like fluctuated depending on like, am I doing a lot of open mics? Am I actually, am I now publishing a book and I want to be in contact with people who've published books before and understand how to navigate that? It's, it's sort of like, like kind of, um, it's, it's, it's been shaped around my experiences, which which makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, I appreciate you saying that that's this writing group that you have also in this community of writers who support each other in your writing, but also other aspects of your life. And perhaps that's part of the writing community as well. I want to go back to something that you said, because um, we were very fortunate to meet each other in person at the LIC reading series that I ran for several years. And you were amazing and read there. And it makes me think of these in-person events that we all maybe both loved and hated in different ways, or, you know, there are good and bad things about them. Um, but then we lost that in this past year. And you mentioned your changing relationship to social media, because you have posted about some difficult things in your life over the mm-hmm. past year. And it's interesting to hear the response that you've received. Do you, do you think that these not actually in-person spaces now online are creating opportunities for greater intimacy in some ways between people? I think they kind of are. I mean, it's funny. I was telling to, I was saying to a friend, cause I posted about having a mis. I'd had like three miscarriages essentially in a row and like had posted right after, like right. I think the, an hour after I had the DNC of the last one. Wow. Some might say I was still coming out of anesthesia. Maybe it was a little bit improv, like impulsive. <laughs> I don't know. Right. So I like posted it as soon as I got home. Um, and just, and I was saying to my friends soon after, I was like, God, it's it's like, I just felt like I could do it. And I sort of felt like, I don't know, like there was just enough like visibility and also invisibility because you're still kind of just doing it on your phone and it's just a screen and it's just whatever. And she was like, yeah, I think that's been like, that's what chat rooms have been for like mm. decades now, which like had, didn't even occur to me that like, that's like actually those spaces have existed. They've been anonymous for a lot of folks. So I can understand that having an additional level to it um, of like feeling like you can kind of say anything, but there was definitely an element, I think of the, like, you're not in the, like, you don't, you're not in the room saying, so would I say that in front of however many, you know, thousands of people in a room, would I be like, get on a stage and be like, so this happened to me. 
I mean, maybe I would actually at this point in my life, but <laughs> but it would certainly be a lot. It would certainly be a lot harder and more daunting and more intimidating. And I would like go back and forth and I would like really curate how I'm going to say it and how I'm going to articulate it. And, um, whereas this felt there, there is, there, there's a feeling of like, you're kind of just shouting in the void and maybe nobody's going to hear it. That feels safe. And then you say mm-hmm. it and then you're like, Oh no, actually a bunch of people did hear it. Um, so there is something about it that does feel actually extremely intimate. Um, and detached and distant enough, at least for me, like my relationship to it, it's like detached and distant enough that it actually makes it feel safer. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. It's like this, this, um, there's this intimacy, but also it's ephemeral in a way. There's so many things that are coming online so quickly, right? Yeah. I think, I think that might be part of what makes it feel safe too, is that there's going to be something within a few hours that's going to grab people's attention. The, the unfortunate, this is sort of one of the benefits of the unfortunate reality of the attention economy is that you could post anything. I mean, unless it's really egregious, right? Like, but you could post like, you know, run of the mill stuff that, that are like intimate and details about your life. And within a day or two, like, yeah, people will like see it. They'll comment. They'll Sometimes they'll send you like a message and they'll talk about their story. And and then, then, then you both kind of just move on. Like the, the idea that the reverberation feels pretty Temp, like transient. I think that actually also makes it feel like it's a safer space to play with some of the storytelling and like sharing things about your life. It's really interesting. I, I know a lot of writers who struggle with writing personal stories and, and things that they really want to write about, but trying to figure out an angle in, and I'm not talking about social media, but I'm talking about mm-hmm. uh, working on a memoir or or something like that. And I wonder, right. and maybe it's too soon to answer this question, but you, you mentioned, uh, you post, you've posted things and then people reply and then there's this kind of dialogue that happens, which is community, right? Totally. Has this experience of sharing things in this social media platforms that you weren't doing before, has it affected your other writing and how you approach your other writing at all, do you think? It's a great question. I think it has in that I think I'm less scared to share things. Like I think they're, they're I, d- I did something in... I've been wanting to do this again. I actually think this was the turning point for me. Um, this is before COVID though. I did like a, 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 a shame swap where like I posted a bunch of things where I was like, these are things that I'm ashamed of. And then like it was in story in the stories and it was like, you share if you want. And I got like a, 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 a much more than I thought I was going to get. Like I got a ton of people that responded sharing really like brave and beautiful and intimate things, um, that they associated with shame for them. And I just remember like when I pressed send on the things that I was like ashamed of kind of having this moment where I was like, Ooh, this is, I don't know, this is going to be, but it was also a story. And I was like, it'll disappear soon. And I can always delete it. And like, you know, like sort of like all the things you say to hype yourself up. Um, and then when I did that and I saw the response, I was like, Oh, I think there's value in this that goes beyond just sort of like the egoic, like you're witnessed, but, but I think then you give, you give yourself the opportunity to do the witnessing of other people because you may have now like left a door ajar that people can walk into. And I think that I am much less intimidated and afraid to, to write like long form essays now about things that feel really intimate. I just like published this thing about fear where I'm like, yeah, that's something that I think a couple of years ago, I probably would not have, I honestly don't think I would have written it. Like, I think I would have wanted to or been interested about it, or I might have written it from a much more philosophical or research-based standpoint and less of the self in it. Um, but I think there is there is a piece of it that's like social media has given me the opportunity to 
to realize that like you can share these things that feel really dark and murky about yourself and then like nothing happens like the, meaning meaning there's no bomb that goes off like you wake up the next day and you're you still got to put on your pants and like brush your teeth like like not like it's just you don't it's just have to put on your pants like, let's be real you know what you we're don't all have seeing each other from the waist anything. up you don't have to do anything you don't want to do, but that you can still wake up in the morning and put on your pants. Like there is a morning that comes after like posting something that feels scary. Um, that I think for me has now, I don't know. It's kind of lowered the stakes in a good way in like a very freeing way where it's like, what's, what's going to, what does it matter? Like, okay. I don't know. This is, it's, it's intimate. Sure. A lot of things are intimate. Like what, like I, I, I feel like the benefits of sharing seem to outweigh the the costs of them. And I've been real lucky in that, like my family has been super supportive. So like people that I might've been nervous about before of like, what would it feel like? Cause I come from a culture that's very much like, you know, you don't, we don't air our dirty laundry and the stuff is private and the stuff is whatever. And I don't know what would happen if I started telling secrets about my family. I imagine the reaction would be much less like supportive, but, but the fact that it's like my stuff, mm-hmm. um, they've been, they've been like nothing, but like, we love it. You're being honest. You're being vulnerable. That's great. Like they they've been nothing but supportive about it, which is such a, I mean, such a fucking blessing. Oh, that is amazing. That's like, you're being allowed to own your own story. Yes. Oof. I mean, I could play with my dad sent me like a little voice recording yesterday after he read, like he like he and my mom like woke up and drank coffee and listened to me read the 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 fear essay, which is like a wow. 45 minute recording. I know. I know. It was all the fear. Like I like my heart was like busting open. Um, and he sent me this recording where he's just like, I'm so proud of you. He's like, this is great. And it's like so cool that you could do this. And my mom was like, oh, I love how honest you are. I love how vulnerable you are. So it's so, I don't know. I feel like those are, I mean, really it's like the people that would have given me pause ahead of time would be my family because I do care what they think. And I want to stay within, within reason to stay within the confines of what makes them comfortable. So to have their blessing, I'm like, like, what does it, I mean, who else would I care or worry about? Right. Wow. Yeah. That's, I've heard this a lot too, this, this, uh, kind of different experiences happening over the course of the last year and during the pandemic of, really not giving a fuck about certain things totally 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 totally. yeah 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 i really don't i mean i really deeply deeply do not care about so many things that i really deeply did care about before in a way that is not nihilistic i mean maybe it's a little bit nice but mostly it's just kind of free it's kind of liberating where i'm just like it doesn't matter like what am i going to spend the rest of my life ashamed about things or feeling like i can't talk about certain things because they didn't like or i can just say them. And now I feel better because I've brought something that was in the dark into the light, which is usually the antidote to shame. Um, Brene Brown talks really beautifully about that, right? So it's like, bring it into the light, see what happens. Usually it shifts or changes or, or goes. And also if, if there's an opportunity in that to be of service to others, like to, to again, keep that door ajar and then to be a, be a space and a vessel for people to like share in return. Awesome. Great. Like, how does that, how could it be anything but win-win? Yeah. Thank you for that. Thank you for, and thank you for doing that shame story on Insta. I remember that happening. It's sort of very interesting to hear how much of response you got that. Um, and I'm sure like your, your own actions on social media then inspire other people to take their actions on social media. And it's this chain effect that you might never ever see. And, to- and the truth is like, even if it's not on social media, so it doesn't have to be like, oh, 
because someone was moved by my story, now they have to post their story. It doesn't, that doesn't, social media is like a con, it's fiction. It's a construct. Like it doesn't mean anything, mm-hmm. but it's more that it's like, a, it's, it's, it's like anything else. How do you use it? Like, do you use it as a vehicle to like be addicted? Do you use it as a vehicle to try to share whatever? Um, and frankly, I use it as both. I also have like, I have to have all these rules about when I can log on because I can totally lose two hours of my life mindlessly scrolling. Like I'm not, you know, it's not like I'm like, I'm really enlightened and I only use it to share important stories. Like, no, I, I don't. Uh, but I think the other thing is like, it's not like, it doesn't have to be that then what happens is that a person has to share publicly. But if, if, if I don't, if the stakes are not, if I feel comfortable sharing publicly, right. If I'm like, I don't really care. I'll share publicly. It doesn't matter. And then that enables someone else to like have something shift maybe in their private life in some way that again, I never see, nobody ever knows about nobody ever. Great. Then I, I don't mind doing that. There's nothing like, there's no, there's no like martyr or heroic narrative here. It's just that it doesn't at this point, I think because of the no fucks given thing, like it doesn't really, I I don't kind of don't care. So it's sort of like, I, I, for me, it, it can only be something that could have positive value. Um, and if it didn't, I would, I would do something different. Thank you for being real about the fact that not everything you do on social media is completely weighty or big oh God, or no. important or, you know, we all have our relationships to social media that are good and bad, I guess. Um, totally. But I, it's just hearing you talk about like these different changes over the last year and sharing things in different ways or not giving certain fucks anymore. Are there ways... Are there things that you need or want from community now that feel different than they did a year ago? Do you think? Yeah, I think I need to foster community more. I think what I like, I, one of the most transformative things that happened to me this past year was I very impulsively joined a drop-in session um, that a fellow therapist named Jess Siman was, was hosting after the August 4th port explosion in Beirut for people who like love, love, like for people in the diaspora who like are just like grieving. Right. Um, and I just did this drop in thing. And then soon after she created a ongoing group, like a sort of like a, like a peer support, also support, also like a group that explored the concept of diaspora. And she would like have these guests, like, you know, folks come in and talk about like, indigenous forms of healing and like plants and how we can use herbs to heal. And then, you know, uh, like just all sorts of cool, random topics um, and always tying it back to diaspora and tying it back to diasporic experience. And that was one of the most amazing things I've ever done for myself. And I'm so like, I don't know. And it all happened over Zoom. It all happened. It was all remote um, because we were all like, I think everyone's in the in North America, but like in different parts of like Canada and the U.S., um, and that for me, because it was so transformative, I have now, and it's since stopped, like it stopped like a couple of months ago. I have now been like, oh, I think you needed that. And I think you need more like that because that really did something to your system that was really worthwhile and valuable. And so now how can I keep cultivating things like that and creating spaces like that or joining spaces like that? Um, because I think as a therapist, I think a lot about like create, like I've like, I've like made, made spaces that are like, are you a like writer of color? Let's like, like have a therapy group for writers of color, things like that. But this was different in that I was just joining the space. Um, and I, I think that my, my answer would be like, I am now wanting and actively trying to cultivate more spaces that I can join or be part of that are like that. 
Um, I think the other thing I'm realizing I need from community is I think accountability in terms of like actual physical and like being around people <laughs> because I think like COVID, I mean, it just was like, you know, uh, you, you, like you hear all sorts of experiences from people. And I think for me, I'm like right on that cusp of introvert extrovert. Like, and I just, I really was just like, I guess we're going all introvert this year. And like, I'm now just kind of like, I really do need to be going out and like seeing people and like walking in parks and like going to birthday parties. And I'm also fully vaccinated to be, I'm not just like being like super irresponsible, but I like, I'm, I am starting to be like, I think I need that. Like, yeah, I think, I think I need more community. That's like, okay, let's go. We're leaving the house. Yeah, that flip. You're like, I had my introvert fill. We got to rebalance on the other side now. Exactly. Extrovert. Exactly. And yeah, and this be like being responsible and going outside. Hi, I think that people have maybe, if they didn't see it before, realized how much we really are all a community. Hopefully, like totally. our actions affect totally. everybody. <laughs> totally. Totally. So you're talking about this need to foster community and you made a distinction of, you know, you've you've created groups before versus joining groups. And I when I was hearing you talk about fostering community, I think about how exhausted so many people are right now with everything that they've been going through and all of the responsibilities various folks have and the things happening all over the world constantly. Of course, always this is not new this year. Um so if 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 somebody hears oh I need to foster community and they go oh geez is that a is that a, another thing I need to how do I do that with and maintain my energy how, how right, do you right. you know right so can you talk about I that mean, I, I, I yeah I think that's a great point I mean I think I, I frankly I just didn't do it for a very long time because what it was going to cost me in terms of energy and resources was higher than what it was going to give me and. And I'm starting to be like, no, I got to, it's starting to flip over to the other side. So I think I would say like, if the prospect of doing it really deeply is exhausting in your bones, maybe it's not the time for it. And maybe there's ways to get doses of it quietly. Like you can also be like community can mean so many things. And the fact that things are remote right now means that there's ways to kind of be like, like kind of like be a community in a, in like more of a passive way. You can go to like a book event if you're a writer, like you can go to like someone's book launch and literally keep your video off and just like hang out and like read the comments in the chat and watch the person read. Like there's a lot of way you can just show up as a audience member or a witness to other people's like events or chat or talks. Um, I find like, I, yeah, I'm a big fan of like going to like people that are in conversation with authors because it's not, it's just like, you're like eavesdropping on two people talking. It's like something very lovely about that. Um, So I think there's ways to do it that are quieter, um, that don't require you conjuring anything up or or making anything or writing anything or doing anything or saying anything. It's just more of like, you can just be, you can kind of witness these spaces and that might be enough for now. Yeah, no, that's great. Thank you. I mean, I feel like this year has also opened up so many more opportunities that I hope various organizations and individuals take with them in terms of accessibility for different folks totally. to join spaces. 
right? Yeah. Totally, totally. Yeah, no, I mean, you're talking about so like differently abled people in terms of physical health and like bodies. And then also like, I think like folks who have like mental health issues where it's like, you know, like I know a lot of people who have really intense social anxiety, you know, where the idea of going to a reading or going to a thing like was just like super overwhelming. Um, I think there's so many folks where it's like just being able to pop in and be part of something, keep your video off, but just still get to take it in is like really empowering. Yeah. Folks, you heard it here from Hala. It's so true. Like you can be in community in all different kinds of ways, whatever is comfortable for you. There's so many different ways to do it. And there are times in your life when you're going on and pull back and jump in more and other times. And that's okay too. There's all these different phases exactly. of life, right? Exactly. Like, I mean, yeah. what, like it's, I was just listening to this thing that was like uh, humans. It's so funny how we think we we're the exception to the rule in terms of like, we have seasons of like moods and temperaments and desires and whatever. And it's like, everything in the natural world does. Why would humans be different? Like, it's fine. If you're, if you're, if things are quiet and you're lying fallow, lie fallow. If now you're feeling like you're in bloom and you're social and you want to be out and about, great, listen, go with it. Love it. Love it. It sounds like taking care of your health and the fact that we are all actually animals and we, we all really in nature. are. Yes. We really do. <laughs> so... <laughs> Hala, I just want to say thank you so much for being on this podcast about writing in community. And oh my, God, um, my pleasure. Yeah, helping us think of other ways to be in community with our fellow animals. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Hala. that, my friends, brings us to the end of our second episode of Cabana Chats. I loved chatting with Hala Alyan, and I can't wait to bring you our episode next week, a conversation with writer and editor Naji Nieto. If you enjoyed this episode, will you consider leaving us a five-star rating and a review? It helps other folks find the cabana and be a part of our community. You can find out more about the resort community at theresortlic.com and more about our guest Hala Alyan at halaalyan.com. I'll also put all that information in the show notes. Our podcast editor is Craig Ely and our music is by Pat Irwin. I'm your host, Catherine Lasoda. And I'll see you next week in the cabana.